The presenting sponsor for On Education is Classcraft. We're excited to announce Classcraft's new story mode, which makes it easy for educators to harness the power of stories. Episodes 1 and 2 of Season 1 are ready for you and your students to play today, and it's completely free. To learn more about Classcraft and the new story mode, simply visit classcraft.com slash oneducation. Thankfully, it goes on for like nine months, so <laughs> it's like a party every day up here. Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. I'm Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will discuss why students are choosing careers other than teaching, debate whether students are really obsessed with video games, count down the people you are not following on Twitter, but you should be, and our guest this week is the CEO of Participate, Mark Otter. So, when we were in Miami, we -hmm. had at least two folks tell us stories horror stories of their hotel experiences Hmm. and how they ended up not staying in the hotel they booked because it was not as advertised Mm -hmm. uh and seemed dangerous Mm -hmm. and and well i i absolutely empathized with with it and we even offered one of the people like if you're in a gym you come stay with us it's cool we'll figure it out Mm -hmm. uh even though our room was fairly small we'll, we'll figure it out it's not a big deal it totally happened to me this week, though. Hmm. <laughs> so I, so I was in Alberta, and Cal- Calgary is is the the main city I was in. But I went south, pretty far south, to this little town called Cardston hmm. in southern Alberta, pretty almost to North Dakota. Like if I had driven probably another thirty minutes south, I would have hit North Dakota. I think I think mm-hmm. that's the state I would have hit. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that's. I wouldn't right. have known because no one's there. I wouldn't have seen a person for like yeah. three hours, and then you know, I went. Am I in South Dakota? No, you're in North Dakota. I'm like, okay, well, cool. Um, and so we booked uh, the, this hotel. Got booked for me. This mo- actually, I mean, saying hotel is a little generous here. This was not a hotel, and it was definitely not even a motel. You know, like hmm. those ones where you you. Sure. You know yeah. what a motel is, right? Yeah, of course. Um, it was sketchy, dude. Like, I, I, I like, sent a text to, to Rami and to uh, the the sales guy, and I'm like, guys, I'm not staying here. I, mm. you know. And they're like, what? It's just a, a motel? I'm like, no. No, 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 no. I'm not staying here. This is sketchy as hell. There was no one there. Mm. There was, like, glass in the driveway, in, like, the parking lot. There was, like, glass, broken windows. Wow. There was, like, it was not cool. I, I Thankfully, just down the road, I found, like, I just walked into a normal, relatively normal-looking hotel. Yeah. Which I don't know why we didn't book there to begin with. But, I like, and I went, and I... Please tell me you have a room so I don't have to sleep in my car tonight. Uh, and and they they took care of it. But uh, so that was my week. And then I, I I went and hung out with my brother and stuff. But uh, boy, oh boy. Um, <laughs> so you didn't end up ex- staying the night in that in that scary no, place. Oh man, okay. did you go into hell. the room or you didn't even check in? No, no, there was no one even at the front desk. There oh, was okay. no one there. So it was freaky. It was very yeah. scary. It was like, did I just like step into like the 
Twilight seventh Zone? circle of hell or something. Like it was, <laughs> I I was Must not have been pretty bad. <laughs> it was scary. It was a little scary. I won't lie. I mean, maybe I'm just a freaking diva and you know whatever. But uh, you know, I want my pool and my massage. I don't get pools and massages. I don't get massages at hotels. Saunas. Though it's not not the worst <laughs> idea in the world, to be perfectly honest. Manicures uh, and pedicures. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I bite the my nails. Treatment. That's that's my that's my my <laughs> yeah. manicure. That's about about right. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Right. Yeah. So so there's so there's two big events like last so. So the Iowa caucus is tonight, and I can't wait to stop recording so I can watch who the next president of the United States is going to be. Hmm. Um, <laughs> hot take. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, just for the record, I learned this today, and I thought I knew everything, but the person who wins, if, if, if someone has won Iowa and New Hampshire, they've never lost the nomination. Hmm. That's, that is pretty important then. I mean... It'll be interesting to see what happens this I mean, week. We'll find out this week. We will find out. It's yeah. exciting, man. This is it's really happening, and this mm. is like my this is speaking of Super Bowl. The U.S. presidential election is my Super Bowl, and thankfully it goes on for like nine months, so <laughs> it's like a party every day up here. Um, y- you loved the Super Bowl halftime show. Mm-hmm. I thought it was it thought it was great. Uh, I'm so happy that they got. Uh, First of all, two women, and then they happen to be two uh, Latina f- women, and and Jennifer Lopez and Shakira, and I thought it was phenomenal. I did see a bunch of grumbling by people because people complain. I, I guess haters gonna hate. Well, it just uh, if you if you've never watched Shakira or Jennifer Lopez, I guess it might be <laughs> I mean, it might be surprising. How could you not know, right? They're, they're pop artists and they are there to entertain. And I mean, most of their stuff that they actually do is involved around a lot of intricate dancing and all kinds of showy, crazy things that are kind of going on, which is amazing. Sure. That's that's what the show is supposed to be as far as entertainment. Uh, it doesn't matter, I guess. It, people are going to complain about the halftime show no matter what. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every single year I hear something different, whether it was the Rolling Stones or Maroon 5. Um or this I remember when people were complaining about Paul McCartney, and Paul I'm like, McCartney. you know, you're yes. stupid if you're every Prince. every <laughs> right. Princess was amazing for the there's record. A, there's a ton of them, and they right. they the what it takes to pull that off. I mean, I was thinking about both of the artists, Shakira and Jennifer Lopez, sure. and how much time it takes to plan out those 12 to 15 minutes or whatever it actually is. Uh, you know, commitment as far as them and their choreographers mm-hmm. and the, and the, all of the crews that they actually have there. Um, God, there's just so many things going on all at the exact same time. Camera angles, cam things moving around, whatever it might be. It's fantastic. Costume and just, changes and just and just quickly in those fifty. I mean, we get 15 minutes of entertainment, and they probably have prepared for it for months and months and yeah. months, if not a year. You know what I totally. mean? As far as uh, getting ready for it, so super. Uh, res- lots of respect for that and. I thought it was awesome. And I there was a it. like there's a cultural significance to this too. Like yeah. being the two two Latina women. Uh-huh. I just pretty, I think it's pretty, important. Pretty, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it was great. We'll see what happens then again next year. I think they try to like go 
one extreme then to the other. So next year will be an old rock band again. So I don't know. They'll bring back uh, uh, the Eagles or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> like something. So they'll try to pull back. You know, and then everybody will complain about that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens next year. But they seem to kind of go one way and then they go to the other extreme. It'll be like Michael Bublé. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It could be Michael Bublé. <laughs> Show tunes at the Super Bowl, which actually wouldn't be the worst thing either, to be yeah. honest. I bet you Michael Bublé do a hell of a halftime show, to I be bet honest. it would be but, amazing, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so are students choosing careers other than teaching? This is such a, an interesting article. We'll, we'll link it in the, the show notes. But there was an awesome thread. This was an awesome mm-hmm. thread on, on Twitter. And, um, you know, sum up your thoughts on this, because this is basically talking about why um, why people aren't getting in. Why would they not get into education? Yeah. And I mean, we have a huge teacher shortage in the United States. So unlike in Canada, where it's super uh, and for a reason, I mean, we're, we're very, very different as far as the way that we treat our teachers, pay our teachers, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about that on the show here. And what's happening is more and more students are becoming aware of that. And I'm talking about university students, or even when students graduate from high school, mm. they start becoming aware of kind of the issues and problems that are uh, around education. And I thought it was awesome that uh, former guest Ken Shelton got involved this, in the thread um, and and talked about some of these specific issues because we talk about them all the time here. The different, the, what happens with redlining, you've brought that up several times we talked about property taxes and i i've talked about kind of uh even when we had uh what was her name that was uh she was talking she gave us basically kind of this summary in the united states from edville Zaheva stadler yeah Zaheva. so she described basically what we all know if even if you're a teacher you've only worked in one school district Mm -hmm. you're aware of the fact that the property taxes within that specific district lines drive most of the ability for the school basically to fund itself. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. and just like we've talked about before, things like referendums and so on and so forth completely depend upon that local taxpayer base. Mm -hmm. And it is disproportionate. And and that's why it makes it, even within states, schools are so different than each other. And we've talked about it on the show too, which is awesome that they had this discussion on this thread. Same neighborhood, separated only by less than a mile away from each other. A Sharpie marker. Yep. (laughs) Yet so different uh, amounts of of educational funds, educational dollars. Yeah. And and so people, by people, I mean our students are aware of this fact, aware mm. of the fact that a lot of the uh, things that we do as far as in school are driven by standardized testing. Um, and so I thought it was a great discussion to be had and that we need to continue to have because the teacher shortage is happening right now and it will continue to grow as people start retiring. If people aren't you know, coming into the teaching profession, mm-hmm. We will have a very, very big issue, very, very big problems, which we already do in some content areas, like special education here and the sciences and the maths Mm. in the United States 
are, especially in specific areas, are very hard uh, to try to find candidates for those positions. Yeah, and I mean, the employment funnel is just going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I always, this is an issue with sports, actually, too, and how, especially emerging sports, how they seek to be competitive. Um, and, and it's because, you know, if you're, for example, the analogy is actually really good. If you're an incredible athlete, if you could do anything, Mahomes, uh, Kansas City quarterback, right, got drafted um, into the, into the Major League Baseball Mm -hmm. uh, by the Detroit Tigers, chose football because he could. And he obviously made the right choice. But when you're an incredible athlete and you can do, you could dominate almost any sport, you're going to choose the sport that offers you the most opportunity, offers you the most potential Mm -hmm. for for growth, for wealth acquisition, I I suspect, um, for popularity, fame. I mean, you're going to choose the one that gives you the best chance for all of that stuff. And the same the same is with any listen the same is with any career any job like and we're all making similar choices now i'm not making a choice whether to play professional hockey or professional baseball though it would be pretty rad if i was um right mm-hmm. um you know we had to choose you have we still all of us go through a choice of you know what do we want to do and what choice do we make based on our skill set and our ability and then you make the best i ideal typically you make the best choice that you can make for a lifestyle that you're seeking based on the tools and skills and knowledge that you have or you think you can obtain and sometimes that means you decide to be a doctor or a lawyer and sometimes it means you decide to be a mechanic and that's those are fine that's that's everything about that is fine but what we're finding is that the Folks that we would love to be teachers are choosing other careers. They're choosing to be other things because they can. Mm -hmm. Because the people we want to be teachers, we want them to be smart and intellectual and also have like this emotional skill set that isn't necessarily prevalent in other in other jobs, maybe in being a doctor, especially like a a bet like kind of a doctor that sees patients kinda all the time. Um it's it's a it's a blend of skills that actually the major competition I think is being a doctor, and when so when you have these smart people going, especially in the U.S. where being a doctor is actually quite a bit more lucrative than being a doctor in Canada. Big time. Um, well, I mean, yeah, no, you can I mean, be. I thought lucrative compared to teacher, it's like not even in the same. No, but realm, being a doctor, you know? I mean, med- medical profession is fairly regulated in Canada because we oh. have universal health care. Yeah, yes. So like income is is. It, I wouldn't say it's capped, but it's capped in a different, strange way. Mm. Um, not like you can you can be like a regular family doctor and still be a, a gazillionaire in in the United States potentially. Mm. Um, so they're choosing to be doctors and lawyers and all of this stuff instead, and that's a shame. And it has a lot to do with teacher pay, and it also has a lot to do with these things that then it's a cultural thing. It's mm-hmm. a you know it's a it's a it's the but the funnel is drying up very rapidly, and we're getting into some pretty dangerous dangerous territory. Um, Glenn, are, are kids really obsessed with video games? This is the next article that that kind of came up, and I'm interested in actually talking about it just a little bit because I don't I, I don't buy the I don't buy the word obsessed but I, I definitely buy the idea that kids that everyone to be honest everyone plays video games for a bit of an escape 
What do you what do you think about this? For sure. And uh, thank you to Diane Lytle, who uh, put this on our radar on Twitter. If you guys ever see anything, by the way, any kind of articles or things that you think that we, we should love be it when people discussing, do this. just tag us on it uh, yeah, at totally. on Education Pod, and we will be more than happy to discuss it. We'll, we we like to bring in any kinds of discussion topics, those kinds of things. So this article, not only does it talk about being obsessed, but it uses this other word, which is used all the time right now with video games, addicted. which is addicted. Yeah. And it actually uh, very clearly explains what is an addiction. And then it goes and basically talks about what is actually happening, you know, as far as with our our students, our kids uh, in general. And whether or not that is actually an addiction. And really what it's saying is that very few kids have an actual quote unquote addiction to video games or anything else. And that's basically the the truth out there. But what you hear in the media and what you might hear, you know, social media or actually on the news or whatever might be is the opposite where kids are not uh basically having conversations with each other they're down in the basement and <laughs> not talking to anybody and just living in this fantasy world or whatever it might be we do use games as an escape we use games to learn from we use games to uh, form communities mm-hmm. um and so many more things uh, to bring uh, emotions in uh, that have to do with joy and happiness and excitement and all of these types of things. We do uh, use games to do those things. Now, whether that be a video game or a board game or whatever else it might be, or a, a sport, a sporting mm-hmm, event, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things can be considered in that same category. What it really does boil down to as far as in the article, and that's the part that I, I'd like for you to go ahead and continue on is it talks about, hey, if they are playing video games a lot, let's just say, more than you know a limited amount of time that you have as far as to be able to do that, why is that? And that's the same conversation we had with Jordan Shapiro is there is a there is you should put a cap on things you should be like uh, monitoring and you should be playing sure. with them and doing those totally. types of things of course but if they are doing this at an excessive level of course it's not good but that's because something is missing you know as far as in their lives something is missing and it has nothing to do with the game or anything else you know whatever you want to place on there it has to do with something else and i mean if we're talking about kids we're talking about parenting uh, and and making sure that we're good parents. What are we offering to our kids and our children? Um, so yeah, I wanted to you know obviously pass it to you and say you know what is it about you know especially some of these situations that kids basically they find comfort in gaming basically. Sure, and it's because you know games offer something that is that is not being thought of well enough outside of games. So. It's it's one of the largest, if not the largest, entertainment industry in the world now. It's it far passes movies, and it's it's crushing just about every other segment of entertainment. And it's doing that for a reason. It's and it's doing that because it it offers things like progression, achievement, growth, development, and things like community. Yes. And uh, what Jane Jane McGonigal talks about all the time, agency. In mm-hmm. the thing that they're playing, especially multiplayer games, kids played World of Warcraft like crazy because they were saving the world 
mm-hmm. they felt like they were saving the world when they did it. Meaning. Yes. And it had meaning. It may not have meant anything to their parents, mm-hmm. but it meant it meant Something. everything to them, mm-hmm. and it meant everything to their friends, which is all that meant. They don't give a damn about what their parents think. <laughs> but if their friends think, oh, my God, you, you killed Ragnaros last night. That's unbelievable. They feel empowered by mm-hmm. that, and that's special, and you want to keep doing that. And games nailed that feeling and and that design aspect that that created the opportunities for those feelings to not just happen every once in a while but literally happen every night every night you can go on your computer and you can feel like you had a meaningful impact in something if you want to you can feel like you did something yeah and that feels freaking awesome and games do that and the problem is school generally doesn't and that is like the whole point of like my career anyways and what i talk about all the time is this gap between the way kids feel about what they're doing at school and the way things they feel about the things they do at home Mm -hmm. and bringing those two worlds as close together as possible if we can get kids to feel that agency that growth that progression that achievement that sense of mastery of being awesome at something and being awesome at it not just once in a while but all the time they can do that at home and then go to school and do it at school too you've basically solved education so like this is this is why games matter and this is why we talk about games all the time is mm-hmm. because it is the way it is the 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 yellow brick road I don't know another analogy it's the pathway to making this all happen um and that's why kids do this they spend their time but they're not addicted they're engaged mm-hmm. so instead of blasting and instead of you know crapping all over it how about you find a way to embrace it in your classroom mm. and and use it instead of thinking it's bad start thinking about why it's better than what you're doing how about mm. that for a change <laughs> bam, bam. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, this is an awesome article, and we're going to link it in the show notes because I I think it's nailing a lot of the things that that we feel and our friends feel about about games-based learning in in a lot of big ways. Uh, So it's it's pretty fun. When we come back, the bests. This week, Glenn and I are going to spread some Twitter love and blow up some folks' notifications. We're going to tell you about a few people you aren't following, but you definitely should be. So stay with us. Education is brought to you by Fidgets. Fidgets are interactive USB sensors that bring your code to life. There's no soldering or wiring required. Simply plug in a Fidget sensor, write code in your favorite language, and watch your ideas come alive. Fidgets are used by thousands of STEM professionals globally and are now available for computer science students. Simply go to Bitly Fidgets on Education to get your introductory kit that includes a free sensor worth over $50. That's Bitly Fidgets on Education. Welcome back to On Education and welcome to the best. Every week, Mike and I take you through a list of our top things from books to games, from people to ideas. And this week... There's folks we're following on Twitter, people we've worked with, people we love, people who are just amazing educators, and we decided they need to be called out for being so awesome. This week, this is people you aren't following on Twitter, but should be, so let's get into it. Yes. All right. So 
I'm so excited about this. I actually warned <laughs> all of my people. Like, I have three. You have three. I warned them. I'm like, hopefully, people blow your Twitter up. Yes. Um, because these these folks are legitimately awesome. I'm huge fans of all of these people, um, and they have an um, a, an awesome influence on on the things that we're doing, which is so great. So my first one, Brian Ouellette. All of mine are Canadian, by the way, also, mm-hmm. which is um, a little tribute here. Brian Ouellette is from Moncton, uh, New Brunswick. He is a subject coordinator in Moncton, New Brunswick for the English School Board. Brian is awesome. Um, it's at down to a science. We'll put all of these in the notes. We'll also link them in the blog. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to find tons of ways to click on their names and follow them. And we pray, please do this. Like over a thousand people or around a thousand people listen to this podcast uh, every every week. We want all of these people to be plus 1,000 um, awesome. followers. So we're making the, make this happen, friends. Let's do this. Brian Ouellette is our first person that everyone needs to follow from Moncton, New Brunswick. So our next person is someone we've actually had on the podcast and twice. twice and i still don't think he's getting enough love he's he, not. <laughs> he speaks at these major conferences and and i'm telling you right now not enough people are in those rooms listening no. to what he is talking about and what he is actually talking about is so dang important and he mm-hmm. basically is talking about how our students are living in the spaces of social media whether it be uh, uh, TikTok or it be uh, something else as far as in social media. They live in these spaces, and yet we kind of keep those spaces at a distance, and we really don't want to know what's actually happening over there. And what he has done is basically he teaches. He's an instructional coach like I am, but he also teaches classes uh, to students about basically using social media to be able to improve themselves as students, but also mm-hmm. in their future careers. So how mm-hmm. to get connected to the things that they are passionate about and have that feed that they're looking at, but it be those things that they are passionate about versus it just being kind of entertainment, let's just call it. Um, and he does such an awesome job. And it is Nate Green. And on Twitter, he is at Mr. Shakedown, which is an awesome <laughs> name. And you got to follow him. And we got to get Nate just posting more and more about the things that we need to be aware of that have to do with social media, that have to do with how uh, – Companies like Facebook and Google and all these big corporations are basically using our data without maybe us knowing and what they're actually doing with it. So many awesome things. We had a discussion with him for uh, quite a while about TikTok and about why we maybe shouldn't download that app. And Mm. I, I was not even aware of like, I wish I could just continue. Anytime I sit down and talk to him, I am just just like mesmerized by I just want him to go in and continue to basically educate me because there's a lot of things that I'm just not aware of. And he lives in these spaces. That's Nate Green at Mr. Shakedown. He's amazing. Awesome. Love Nate. Mark Labuda is a STEM coach in uh, Brampton, which is a kind of a, a city just north of the north of Toronto in the GTA. 
completely amazing. Um, such a nice guy, super humble. He was blown away when I told him I was going to put him on this list because of how just he's a classy, classy dude. Um, he does he does sessions every once in a while at the Canadian conference, like Connect and Bit, um, the two kind of big Canadian conferences. But completely underrated. Um, definitely someone that is doing awesome things, especially with coding and robotics. Um, I'm a huge Mark fan. I've actually actually had him on the um, the Logics Academy podcast. He was mm. a guest uh, on that podcast. Uh, if you want to go and look that podcast up and, and take a listen to that, Mark Labuda is at Mr. M. Labuda on Twitter. And everyone should definitely go follow Mark because he's a fabulous dude. So our next person that I want to give a shout out to is Hope Elliott. And Hope is an instructional technology coach, and she is, uh, I believe now, I want to say she's in Alabama. She has lived in Alabama and Mississippi uh, down south, and she has every credential ever, but that's not why you should go follow her. Uh, You should follow her because the things that she posts are relevant uh, both materials, resources, questions of things that teachers need right now, things that she's working on with other teachers. Even just the other day, she got on a call with me and we started talking Minecraft because she heard a couple of teachers talking about it. They knew that they had their Microsoft licenses. She's like, I'm going to learn this. And that's just how she is. She has a blog that's uh the techie teacher and actually that's her name on twitter is at techie underscore teacher one and we'll make sure we link it on thing someone you should absolutely follow hope elliott so when i was in when i was teaching uh at at the school i was at um there were a number of wonderful teachers that were kind of in the process of leaving at the same time as i was interestingly enough um, and and this next person is is one of those as well nicole matthews at matthews zero seven zero seven on twitter and i i would say i've never had a more competent collaborative partner to work with other than maybe you to be honest than nicole Hmm. she we worked so well together all of my best work as a teacher and this is straight up no not not rhetoric at all all of my best work i think as a teacher was as a result of collaborating with nicole Hmm. Um, she's a phenomenal educator. Um, she she really talks a lot lately about mindfulness and and teacher mental health and stuff like that, which is fabulous. And you know, I also want to just give her a little bit of credit because she has two kids and she was working a full time job and went and got her master's hmm. uh, while doing all of that, which is a feat of strength in my mind um, for anyone who does that. And there's lots of people. So I give them all credit, including Nicole. And then she quit basically a pretty comfortable job working at a private school to basically go right back. Like we've talked about this before. The education system in Ontario is a little messed up when you got it. When you want to go to like a public board, you got to basically start at the bottom. So she left about three years ago. Um, two and a half years ago and started at the bottom and because she's such an incredible person and so smart and capable she's already on like the short list for vice principals in her board 
Wow. Um, it, she is a force and um, absolutely someone. I, I actually send her a message also because she doesn't tweet near enough. And mm. I said, listen, I'm going to blow up your Twitter, <laughs> and then I need you to go be smart because, you know, and talk about what you're doing because you're awesome. So hopefully not only does this make Nicole smile, um, but hopefully a lot of people follow her and um, and get to see what I saw for a number of years, how special she is as an educator. Nicole Matthews. So the next one that I wanted to make sure I called out is this amazing person. His name is Rick Bray. Love Rick. And he is at Mr. Chem Geek, like chemistry geek. And Rick Bray is an instructional technology specialist, a similar job to what I do um, and what was obviously previously a chemistry teacher. And he has such amazing energy, both mm. in in real life when you actually meet him, mm-hmm. but also on Twitter. Uh, yeah. And what he wants to do is basically do the things that we talk about all the time, which is sharing resources, having collaborative discussions with people, and connecting and learning. Basically, really passionate about those things. And he would never want me to call him out <laughs> on this thing. So that's why I'm doing this. That's at Mr. Chem Geek, Rick Bray. Amazing. You're an awesome person. And people should, we should have thousands of people connected to you too. We should have all these people on the podcast. We that should. would be fun too. Because they, they would all be wonderful and, and you'd get they to meet would. them all. You can always come back to this segment of The Best by checking out our blog at oneducationpodcast.com or watching it on YouTube. Just search for On Education and check out the playlist. Want to support On Education? Check out our Patreon site at patreon.com slash oneducationpod. When we come back, we'll be speaking to Mark Otter, the CEO of Participate, and we have some big news to share, so stay tuned. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. When, uh, when when we booked our next guest, I actually had a whole different conversation in mind than parts of the one we're going to have today. That's how long ago we've had this one on the calendar. Mark Otter is the CEO of Participate and joins us on the pod. Welcome to the show, my friend. Yeah, listen, thanks for having me. Love listening you- to y'all. I was going to say, like, you you are, like, one of our number one listeners, which is so <laughs> fun. I mean, that's cool. We we appreciate you share it all the time, and you're always in, in our in our stalking our Twitter feed, which is sweet. That's how we, we connected, and we'll maybe get to that in a, in a little bit. But, uh, you know, uh, it, it's always surprising. Actually, Glenn and I talk all the time about how surprised we are that people listen just in general, I guess, but then also that like there's people that we find out listen that we didn't even know listened because a lot of people listen and don't engage uh, with anything at all. They just kind of listen, and um, it's always cool you know, when people end up chiming in, and, and it was like, hey, he listens. That's cool. <laughs> so that's, that's how that all started. So why don't you go ahead and tell everyone just a little bit about yourself before we get started? Sure. Um well, thanks for thanks for having me. Uh, as you as you mentioned, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Listen a lot. Um, folks that know me on Twitter know that I like a lot of stuff, and so that's kind of how I roll. But yeah, I'm CEO of Participate. Um, was a classroom teacher for a number of years. Hail from the Great White North of yeah. Canada, from Nova Scotia, Canada, uh, and um, you know, spent well over ten years in the classroom and. Spent a number of years um, 
working as a researcher and um, eventually here I am as a CEO participate, hanging out with uh, two cool dudes. <laughs> so Mark, for those that aren't familiar with it, can you give us a little bit of, of what is the participate company and what do you guys do? Yeah, sure. No, um, we, we work with organizations, whether it's like uh, school districts, schools, for-profits, nonprofits, and help them create communities of practice or, or online communities around, um, around initiatives or if it's with a, a company around their products. So think of things like ambassador uh, programs or um, you know, online communities for folks that are looking to engage more closely with, um, with folks that um, they want to engage with. Which is interesting. I, I was actually talking to my brother. I was in Calgary this week and uh, or last week, I guess, and was talking to my brother and, and he works for a, a fairly large company in, in Canada. Um, and we were talking about communities and connecting customers and clients together and stuff like that. And And he said to me, and I've been thinking about it all day, he said, we don't want our customers talking to each other, which I mean, maybe, maybe that's like a funny way to think of it. But he's like, we then they'd be talking about how much each other pays and like they're complaining to each other about their their services. But like, I think in education, the framing is a little bit different, especially for those companies that are deep in education, like Adobe and um, you know Flipgrid and all of Microsoft, all of these all of these companies that that have educator communities. Schoology has a very good educator community um why so maybe two things and i I'm, i know i know that you've put some thought into this so two things why is it different in education than in more of so i've told you where i'm not going to say the name of the company my brother works for but i've mentioned who they work for to you to you mark why is it different in that type of industry industry type business like a more a b2b business than it is in education and then what makes community in education just important like why does this matter yeah no uh, a couple of great questions i think one i would just push back a little bit on it being something central to or uh, you know unique to education i think um I think the the Amazon story, like the Bezos everything the everything store book. Um, I think there was like a lot of soul searching back at that time about the community is probably a little bit of a stretch, but maybe not about you know third party um, reviews of products. And there was like a lot of do we let reviews onto a site because mm-hmm. people are going to review these products. They're going to say horrible things that's going to make it more difficult to sell products, right? And and ultimately, that was not what happened, right? The the idea of of user generated generated reviews actually became a critical part of the success of that of that site. And so I think sometimes people just need to take a step outside of the perceived issues or problems that they can envision happening, and instead. Um, you know, give it a try or take a leap or all the things you want to say. But ultimately, what what you see is that when you do um, allow folks to give authentic, real feedback on things, that feedback, that authenticity, oftentimes is a, a better selling point for what you're trying to do than, uh, than not allowing that to happen. Mm-hmm. So basically going back and 
thinking about your brother's organization, you know, I understand the, 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 the concerns about pricing, for example, but I think what you would find is that allowing people to discuss how much they like the product or challenges they've had or ways they've taken the product and made it better would outweigh any sort of those uh, concerns that you might like formulate inside your heads and inside your own building. And so why does it matter so much in education? Like why is every company creating an ambassador group? Why does every, like every company almost that you can think of in education that has any reasonable size has an educator community, has a badging system, has a, um, you know, a, a credential type thing, a, an ambassador to this, a, you know, a teacher that, a distinguished educator, whatever. Why, why are we doing this more in education, I think, than almost any other industry, business sector that I've ever seen? Yeah, sure. I, I think, I mean, I can see a couple of different, I can see a couple of different reasons jump out at me. One is, you know, it, it is a relatively effective marketing tool to have an ambassador program and have people out there speaking about your product and, mm -hmm. and, and saying great things about it. And word of mouth from a marketing standpoint is fantastic. But I think that it's more fundamental, um, you know, just to take a step back as I rush through, you know, who I am and what I do, the, the participate platform piece, the online piece, like that came about when I was in classroom teacher, I, I you know, I taught a, uh, a class called uh, advanced functions and modeling, which is as exciting as it sounds. It actually <laughs> was a very cool class. But what ends up happening is you're the only advanced functions and modeling teacher in your school. And so PLC day becomes yeah. loneliest day of the week. But Mark's we would sitting get, by himself in the corner, just sitting there like, man, I wish I <laughs> wish I taught, you know, home act or whatever. And right. um, we would get together every summer at North Carolina School of Mountain Science, which is an awesome spot. We would all learn together for five days and then spread off for the rest of the, uh, you know, the other 51 weeks of the year. And so actually the first, the first version of our platform was built at ottersrockandmasssite.com, which don't go there because it's a mess right now. But it was really just my, um, me trying to pull those teachers together so that we could share lessons, learn together, and uh and just kind of to a certain extent try not to be so lonely during plc and so mm -hmm. i think like that's around like a long way of getting around to teaching is an isolating position so you know you, inside of your school you may have 30 or 40 teachers but for the majority of the day it's you one adult and your students and even if you're inside a physical building it can still be isolating take a teacher who's one of an island teacher. They're the only teacher at their school that teaches this subject or is from this country or, you know, whatever, and, and make them even more isolated. And I think this idea of bringing teachers together, you see it on Twitter, like you, any sort of hashtag, social studies teachers, boom, coming together on a hashtag, math teachers, boom, coming together on a hashtag. That's because I think that's because folks are looking for this sense of community that they're actually not finding inside of their physical surroundings. That's a great point. Uh, I was just thinking about you, uh, Mike had mentioned digital badging, and that's a uh, topic that we are super excited about. We talk to Noah Geisel all the time about it, and he has the badge summit that happens right before ISTE. So how is Participate um, involved as far as in digital badging? And, and maybe what do you see as, as far as the future with that? 
Sure. That's good. So, so not, you know, taking a step back, Noah is the person I want to be when I grow up, just throwing <laughs> it out there. And Noah is what brought same, me to, same. <laughs> yeah, and it's what brought me to your podcast. So, you know, Noah and I go back a while, my colleague, Julie Kane, Dr. Julie Kane is a good friend of Noah as well. We've, we've sponsored Bad Summit for, for a number of years and we've, we got into digital badging way back in the, the Mozilla, uh, MacArthur digital media learning competition. And like, so, so way back in the day, and we have been a badge issuer for, um, for, you know, multiple years, but, um, we've never seen ourselves as a badging platform. We've always seen badges as this, I think I, you know, we put an article out about a really, I can, this amazing container like a, that in which you can put rich evidence of learning, right? Regardless of its size or shape. And so when I think about container, I'm thinking about uh, the intermodal container that you put onto ships. Like think back to the King Kong movies, like when you were putting pallets of stuff onto ships, the pallets were all different shapes. And um, you can never really tell how much you could fit onto a ship and then how you're gonna get it off the ship. And someone came along in like the 50s and said, let's put these in a standardized container so a truck can get it to the ship. You put whatever you can fit into the container, put a manifest on the door telling you what's in the container. But then you know how many containers you can fit on the ship. And when, it, when the ship arrives at the dock, the truck that's picking it up is set up to pick up that container, right? To me, in my mind, that's a digital badge, right? It's It in itself is not gamification. It in itself is not motivation. It is this rich version of, of, you know, traditional certificates or transcripts where you just never really knew how some people, um, the work that people did, but instead you could pack it into this container. There was a, 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 a device on the end of it that would allow you to open it up and see that evidence, but that evidence could be any sort of evidence of learning. And I think that's what's been missing. Like, you know, you look at my my Acadia degree and, and Mike's university degree and, and Glenn's university degree, and you two are much smarter and more diligent than I am, yet we may actually have the, you know, the same degree. And so being able to pop that degree open and see how much better you all did than I did would be uh, horrifying. horrifying. Exactly what I'm going for is horrifying. <laughs> um. So we've had this interview on the books for a while because we, you know, um, how do I say we, 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 we like what you guys do and um, knew that knew that you're a listener and, and your engagement in the chat and stuff like that. I was, so we reached out. But I mean, you and I in particular just started talking a lot all the time, in fact, um, and it, it kind of turned into something. And, and so now... Um, you know, we have some news, I guess. I, I guess this is, I, I, it seems like the perfect time to share it, does it not? It seems, what's the word? There's an S word, speaking of being smart. What's that, serendipitous? Whoa. <laughs> well, that, that, me, that this is all working out. Let me take a quick step back and just say, okay. uh, you know, a lot of this conversation came about through what I thought was an, initially a compliment, but then afterwards I was like, <laughs> I'm not sure. Which is, you know, it's totally a compliment. I do like a lot of stuff that's on Twitter. I do, you know, post a fair amount on Twitter. And then so then I get this, this uh, DM that says, 
hey, Mark, um, you know, seems like you handle your own Twitter account. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, no, I do. It's so authentic. But then I was like, oh, no, <laughs> Maybe, like I'm saying absolutely foolish stuff out there. <laughs> no, no, no. It was a compliment because a lot of C. No. And we've talked about this. So, I mean, it's just that a lot of CEOs don't even handle their own Twitter accounts and stuff. And I think that's pretty dumb because Twitter is supposed to be this place for people to be be people, even though clearly it's shifting a little bit. Um, so, so yeah, I did, I did totally slide into your DMs though one time and just say, Hey, it's cool that you, you just, you know, do your own thing. And maybe, maybe that's how it happened. But, um, so I'm, I'm actually joining the company. I'm joining participate, um, which is crazy exciting. And it's the worst kept secret at this point because I'm terrible at keeping (laughs) secrets, I think. So almost everyone who's listening possibly knows by now, but, um, but I mean, uh, so so as uh, director of engagement, and and I think we're really we're really pumped. We're gonna do a lot of cool stuff together. I think. Uh, we're. I mean, yes, we're absolutely stoked to have you come on board, and um, you know, it's the what you're bringing to the table and the role that you're coming into are absolutely critical roles. And so, you know, we as a company have been um, have. Struggle is probably the wrong term, but like we have had a challenge in marketing ourselves to the organizations that we work with. But then more importantly, we work with these great organizations who then do this amazing stuff for educators. And so our, we get torn between marketing ourselves and marketing them. And so having you come on board, having a person who has this proven track record of of engaging with educators, working with our partners to engage educators for them is like next level for us. Like we're so stoked. This is, gonna be, this is it's gonna, fantastic. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. Um, we're going to do a lot of, hopefully we're, we're gearing up to do a lot of work with uh, eSports and games-based learning. Um, that That's pretty exciting through, through some of our, our mutual kind of interests and connections. So, um, pretty pretty pumped about that so we wanted to get that out there and share it and um and you'll be you'll be hearing a little <laughs> bit more about that probably in the next couple of days as as this gets kind of announced i guess um we we give um all of our guests one last big question um and so mark what are three pieces of media they could be a video <laughs> music, song, whatever, books, articles, whatever. Three pieces of media that have influenced your thinking and your work. Um, you know, great question. And uh, just when we were off, off, uh, offline there, I was like, I should have written this down. So um, um, <laughs> one is uh, I'm, reading, I'm rereading a great book that I read probably every five, six years um, by Stephen Jay Gould called The Mismeasure of Man. And that book has had, you know, uh, profound influence on the work that I do and and understanding how groups work together and how groups get compared. And, and uh, so that would be one. That book itself, I probably, it's up there with, you know, the, the Paula Freire books of which ones I've read the most. Uh, Two, um, 
I spend a lot of time on YouTube because I am restoring. Dude, I am restoring this old truck, uh, 64 Scout. And I have no idea about what I'm doing. So I sit out in my garage. That's awesome, though. Yeah, with 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 your laptop. With YouTube (laughs) on my iPad, just like. (laughs) I'm stuck. Every 30 seconds I get stuck. I watch 30 minutes worth of videos, do another 30 seconds of work. But I like, but that has greatly influenced how I understand how adults learn, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like adults learn not by sitting down. Like I didn't take a course on how to restore my truck, right? I, I went in, I launched into this thing. And then every time I get stuck, I go over and I find a bite-sized chunk of something that le- lets me move on to the next step until I'm stuck again. And totally, I, I think that's how adults learn. Uh, I mean, at least some adults learn in some contexts. So um, I, I think that is uh, um, probably the, you know, the, the second, the second so, piece of media. So send, send me a link with one of the videos that got you out of your biggest jam. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> unfortunately, it may be like a firefighting video because I lit my hair on fire there a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Uh, doing some doing some welding out there. I ended up having to go to welding class here, a welding school here in North Carolina, to learn how to weld so I could finish this this darn truck up. Um, awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, and I would hope that I was better at it, but I'm definitely not. Uh, third, you know, um, I am like a, a podcast junkie. Like when I am just when I am not at work actively where well, actually when I'm working with my headphones on, I've got podcasts going nonstop. And so I couldn't, other than on education, obviously I couldn't just pinpoint one. There's probably a dozen podcasts are just on, on total cycle for me that, uh, would you uh, listen to today? Today I listened to, uh, marketing over coffee, which is a great, great podcast, great podcast name, 15 minutes. Um, then, um, Oh, geez, marketing over coffee and A16Z. And then there's a there's a hockey podcast called Spit and Chicklets, but it is rough around the I'll tell you right now, it's rough around <laughs> the edges. Because I'm, I'm a former hockey player and I love all the, the hockey stories. It was like, uh, Mike, you, you'll know. Uh, no, glad you were. You're from Minnesota. You would know this. Ron McLean, Don Cherry, Hockey Night yeah. in Canada. Yeah. So I was just listening to that this morning. Uh, Ron McLean was being interviewed, and I just—I mean, I love that podcast. But I will say again, it's—it's it's not for everyone. It's a little rougher on the edges. <laughs> nice, that's cool. Yeah, awesome. So, Mark, how do people connect with you or learn more about you? Twitter or whatever else you want to go to? Let us yeah, know. Yeah, I think uh, Twitter is a great, probably the easiest place to find me is uh, on Twitter. Uh, unfortunately, I'm Mark J Otter, which also looks like Mark Jotter. Uh, <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you throw it out there? Uh, but uh, yeah, find me on, uh, on Twitter at, at, at Mark J Otter. Um, and that's probably the easiest place to get a hold of me and, um, or at participate.com. You can find me there. Very nice. Mark Otter. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, Mike and Glenn. Thank you for having me and Mike. Welcome aboard, buddy. We're pretty stoked. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? 
check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. Want to support On Education? Visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash oneducation. There, you can get access to full videos of the podcast and so much more. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or a review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. It helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening, stay awesome, and see you soon.